You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Draft season is here, and our insiders are ready to break it down. Player spotlights, draft day trades, team-by-team grades, and the biggest winners and losers from the weekend. It's time for Baldy's Breakdowns with Brian Baldinger and Jason LaCanfora. Welcome to a very special edition of our podcast. Normally, it's Baldy's Breakdowns, but now, for this week and next, we have launched Odyssey's 2022 Draft Special I am Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter, and I have the honor and privilege for the first time in a few weeks to be chatting football with my buddy Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL, and we will be guiding you guys through the draft this week and next, as I mentioned. Uh, today, here on Monday, we will reconvene on Thursday, mere hours before the first round kicks off. We will use Friday to reset the first round and get you ready for day two, and we will wrap everything up next Monday. Baldy, you are already in Las Vegas. You look to be glowing. You look to be in full draft mode. Are you ready to get this thing kicked off, brother? I am. I am ready, Jason. I mean, you can only you know study these kids so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and be, before I mean, I, and the teams too. You can only you know study these guys so long, and the teams have their boards all set, all the pro day information. I just think this, Jason. Uh, you know, I've been out here for a couple of days. You know, you, you can't walk five feet in Las Vegas uh-huh. and not see an Eagle fan. <laughs> um, you know, they, they've convened on here. It's going to be. It's going to be some scene. Uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. I mean, you can just feel everything. But I feel like, you know, the the postseason that we had, Jason, yes. was unreal. I mean, games going down to the wire. People are still talking about Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yes, sir. Going at it. Uh, you know, rule changes resulted, overtime rule changes. Then we had this offseason, which has been nuts. Quarterbacks on a carousel like we've never seen before. Trades. Like star players yes. going from one team to another that we've never really seen before. And I feel like... The draft is just the next part of this. This, you know, it's, it literally started uh, Wild Card Weekend, and I felt like there has been breaking news or stories or excitement to keep any football fan like literally plugged in. Yes, uh, until we get to Thursday night here. 
Yeah, it has been a bonkers offseason. Just to set the stage for you guys today, we will be, uh, in probably just in a minute here, talking about some more potential trades. And obviously, we know there's some unhappy campers right now at the receiver position, some absolute stars who might be forcing their way out of town by the time the draft wraps up. We will obviously dissect the quarterback class in the first round because how could we not? I want to dig down on some of the top offensive linemen with Baldy. That is obviously one of his many areas of expertise. And we will discuss the first overall pick and the fact that that isn't a done deal, doesn't seem to be a fait accompli, or if it is, the Jags doing a great job of of keeping all that under their vest. And I also want to get some sleeper picks for Baldy for the first round. Um, But let's let's stick with that motif, brother. Debo Samuel, next receiver up, knocking on the door, saying, I want out. He says it's not about money. Baldy, it's always about money, at least to some degree. You know, maybe he feels like he's carrying too heavy of a load there in Kyle Shanahan's offense. But my question is, Baldy, whoever trades for him, why the hell wouldn't they want to use him the same way? I mean, part of the reason he's a freak of nature, especially if we're going to be paying him $28, 25000000 million a year now, is we want to get the ball in his hands as many ways as possible. So, I'm still a little confused by this one, but we have seen increasingly in this league that when guys of this stature want out, they get out. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen it too many times. We've seen yeah. you know, Jalen Ramsey wanted out of Jacksonville. He got out of Jacksonville. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it can happen at any position. I I, I was caught off guard yeah, by Debo's unhappiness. And then, you know, just the whole scenario is bizarre. Uh, you know, you know, I don't really know how to read scrubbing your social media yeah. page. Uh, it shows some level of discontent, but I, I don't exactly understand what that all means. So I'm not going to read too deeply into that. But, you know, you, you've seen these, uh, you know, a lot of things coming out through the agent, uh, a lot of semi retractions. Yeah, I went back and watched Jason. He carried the ball 86 times last year, 80 times from week nine on. Uh, he got hurt against Minnesota. He missed a game um, because of a, an ankle injury, you know, yep. when he was running the football. Uh, he carried a heavy load in the postseason. But part of our love affair with Debo was lining up in the backfield mm-hmm. and looking like a great running back. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. If you just line Debo up at a wide receiver, he's not – to me, he's not an elite guy. He's right. not – a the wide receiver market went crazy this year, $20 million, you know, a year for these guys. Uh, there's five or six on any given weekend that are active. It's not like these guys are uh, play all by themselves. Right. They're a product of the quarterback, the system. A lot of different things have to take place. Um, if I'm building a team, Jason, kind of the last position I even look at is wide receiver. Uh-huh. I want my trenches to be deep sure. and strong. I want my quarterback. I want – I want my guys to be able to get to the quarterback. I want guys that can take away touchdown passes. Like it's not the the, the biggest priority position for me. And so, you know, you factor all that in. You go, okay, Debo doesn't want to carry the ball like that. He's gonna, it's gonna take years off his career. And I don't dispute that. I mean, watching Aaron Donald jump on him, you know, uh, in in a playoff loss, or you know, in a game week eighteen game that got him into the playoffs. Like I understand some of that. But at the same time, that is what makes him unique. He's got a unique frame, uh, you know, from the waist down. He's built like a running back. So, I, you know, I, I think there's teams like there that, like the Jets, that are very interested yes. in his services. 
they they lost out in Tyreek. They lost out in Devontae. I'm sure that if DK Metcalf could be shaken loose, mm-hmm. they would be you know, putting in a phone call. I'm sure the owner would love to tell, show his fan base, um, you know, their interest in one of these key wide receivers. But, you know, and he knows, the, you know, obviously Debo knows Robert Sala and a bunch of guys yep. that came from San Francisco. So there's a, a comfort level with how he practices, what kind of person he is, all that stuff. But they got to get it done the next 48 hours or, you know, 72 hours here, Jason. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard anything yet, but I'm sure there's other teams that are making the phone call, uh, you know, to John Lynch and company in San Francisco to see just what it's going to take. For any any team that does it, Baldy, I guess, again, this is what I can't get my head around. So let's say it's the Jets. And let's say at the, with the 10th yeah. pick, they were looking at – uh, Wilson or Williams or, or London or whomever at receiver. And so they're like, well, we'll take yeah. the established thing over them. You, you st- you're trading a top 10 pick. You're going to pay this receiver like a quarterback, or at least how quarterbacks were getting paid four or five years ago at the top end. And then you're going to put a clause in his contract saying we won't hand the ball off to you more than 40 times a year. Like, how, how, like I just – bro, they, they would be yeah. bringing you east because they saw what you did out west. Like – why would they not want to yeah. tap into that same thing? Like, that's the part I can't get my head around. And it's, it's, it's basically the same offense. I mean, right. you know, there's, it's not the same. But, I mean, it's a very similar type zone scheme. And, you know, he'd be very comfortable with uh, the variety of different runs that he already has had. Uh, you know, they, they're trying to – you know, Lakin Tomlinson is playing guard for him. He, you yep. know, ran behind Lakin Tomlinson in many of those runs a year ago. Um, he might have, you know, if, if Mekhi Becton gets in shape, he's going to have an elite, you know, tackle like Trent Williams. I'm not comparing Mekhi to Trent, right. but I mean, he could have an elite player at that. I mean, it could be very, very, very similar. But like you said, like just doing it on the East Coast. So, but and you know, do it if it's Trey Lance. Lance. If it's if it's I a Trey Lance understand. thing, if it's a Trey Lance thing, Zach Wilson's. I mean, he's not as much of an unknown, but he, he ain't a proven commodity either. Like I, I just can't figure it out. Yeah, well, I, I'm with you. I mean, Zach Wilson is trying to prove himself. Uh, you know, he missed games last year. Uh, you know, he's he's not a proven commodity. You know, I mean, so and, – and he doesn't have any sort of a trade clause. So, wherever, you know, he would want to go. If I was San Francisco, look, I don't want to lose Debo. I really uh-uh. don't. But at the same time, you've you got a, a very deep wide receiver class in this draft. There's going to be six or seven – wide receivers taken in the first round of this draft. Yep. And you're going to get them at a much cheaper cost. And they've got to sign – you know, the one thing about the 49ers is they have shown their organization that they're going to pay their star players. Yes. They did to Fred Warner. Um, they will to Nick Boza. They, I mean, they they made Fred Warner the highest-paid linebacker in football. Uh, hey, Trent Williams. They're willing to do those kind of things. Yes. So, Trent Williams, I mean, so they, they, they're not one of these teams that – you know, aren't going to, um, you know, break the bank to keep you. They, they've shown that they can do it. But, you know, if you get a chance to, you know, stack your receiver board with some young talent that, I don't know, be, that can become Debo or something near it or whatever, and you can do it at a much cheaper price, it's, you know, it's not a bad consideration right now. Yeah, that that could be one of a of a couple of blockbuster trades that go down re- regarding the receiver position. You know, we'll see about AJ Brown. We'll see about DK Metcalf, as you as you noted. And who knows? Maybe we will have much more to talk about by Friday morning's uh, podcast. Uh, 
dealing with, with those trades because at least one of them probably will get done this week. Uh, Baldy, let's go to the top of the draft. As it stands right now, there are some people in this league, uh, general managers, scouts, uh, executives from teams picking in the top 10 who would say they throw a dart at, at Aiden Hutchinson at the top of the draft. There's some who would say they think Trent Baalke will lean into the superior uh, athleticism and, and the metrics and the numbers that would point you uh, to Mr. Walker. And there's some who say, hey, don't rule out them taking an offensive lineman. The fact that we have this little clarity on it this late in the game strikes me as odd. And do you have a gut instinct about this? I do have a gut instinct. I mean, I, I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the guy. Um, now, you know, we have seen these defensive ends go at the top of the draft. Jadevian Clowney doesn't look like he would, if you had to do it all over again, that you'd make him the first pick. Miles Garrett at the top of the draft looks like you would probably still mm-hmm. take Miles Garrett number one. So there's, you know, so that's like, you know, before and after, and you don't have that luxury of looking backwards here uh, as, you, as you get ready for this pick. I, I just think that, you know, just knowing Doug Peterson a lot and knowing him well um, and what he's trying to build down there in Jacksonville, which is a mess. Yes. Um, and you got you got to clean up a real sewer that has been going on now for a long time. And so I, I think if you take Aiden Hutchinson, you're not going to make a mistake. I mean, he's going to he's going to show up at practice. Yes. Every day. Yes. He's got talent. He's a good player. He's a great person. Like You never have to worry about what Aiden Hutchinson's doing at uh, midnight. Um, you know, he's he's going to be what you want and he's going to bring, you know, some juice to your organization and they you got to start somewhere. And and so I, I still like I, I just don't see the production of Trayvon Walker. I know what people get excited about and, and maybe it, it, it can be, uh, you know, he's got a higher ceiling and all the stuff that people say. And that might be true. But to, I know that Aiden Hudson, I know what you're going to get from Aiden Hutchinson. And so I, I, I don't think they're going to overthink this. They, they can, you know, it was a time, and I don't know if this, I don't know the last time this happened, Jason, maybe you remember. There was a time when you had that guy and he was undisputed. Oh, yeah. One, and you signed him. He's walking around you know, with your hat on before the contract. draft. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess there's no real benefit to that. Um, you know, because you, I think you, Intrigue is kind of, sure. you know, interesting for yep. your organization yep. and, and all that. So I get some of that. But, you know, there was a, but, I, but I think that Aiden is still the number one player. I've said it from the beginning. I did the big uh, 10 championship mm-hmm. game this year. I was in Indianapolis. I saw he dominated Iowa. He dominated Ohio State in the big games he showed up. I know against Georgia in the playoffs, he, he didn't put up big numbers, but I, he still played the same way. So – I don't know. I, I, I'm not going against what my gut instinct mm-hmm. is, is that Aiden is still the number one player in this uh, in this draft. Let's say it, it, it does start there. We, you mentioned Walker. Obviously, uh, Thibodeau is somebody who I don't think is going to have to wait that long to hear his name called. How, where, who for you is the next best edge after uh, Hutchinson? Uh, I, I think Kayvon is mm-hmm. Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Um, nobody has a first step in this whole draft like he does. You can win with your first step. He's got an array of moves. I know different people from Willie McGinnis on that have worked with them. 
coming, I mean, going all the way back to Dorsey High School, and, right. you know, Oaks Christian High School, and the, you know, in Los Angeles when he was, you know, the number one consensus player coming out of high school. Uh, I know that I know what the knock is. We've heard it uh, about, you know, playing as hard as you need to play in order to be successful. Honestly, sometimes – I know it sounds bizarre, but sometimes these guys just get bored. Sure. They just, you know, it's not, it's not a national championship game. It's, you know, it's Utah State. Um, you know, it's Washington State on a Saturday and nobody's really watching on Saturday night. And like, I've watched them in the big games, you know, the Pac 12 championship game. He was the best player on the field. It wasn't close. Uh, I, I think he's still the second best edge guy in a, in a pretty deep class. Let's uh, move to the offensive line because that is another area where the names will start coming off the board very quickly at the top of the draft. I, I think we see um, at, at three of them in all likelihood in, in the top ten. I, I think at least – I don't know about you, Baldy, but the deeper we've gotten into this thing and the more you kind of start to talk to people and they've set their boards and you feel like maybe the intel's a little better than not, I keep hearing – all things being equal, the Giants may lean into Cross because Cross is he's he's a left tackle now. We think he'll be a left tackle forever. Whereas, you know what I mean, Neil and Icky yeah. are they is it more of a jack of all trades? Do we have to kind of eventually figure out where they fit in long term versus Cross, who who may have some bumps in the road early, but you look at him physically, you look at what he's done, and you say that's an NFL left tackle. Do you buy that at all? Uh, so, yeah, I do. I mean, I think he's the best pure pass protector in this draft. Um, you know, he was in a passing offense at Mississippi State. Uh, he's got he, – I've only seen him play left tackle. I haven't seen him play right, right. tackle, but there's no, nothing in me that says he can't go to the right side and protect on the right side. Uh, in fact, you know, I could make the case that if you're the right tackle in this league right now, <laughs> your Sundays are much more yes. difficult than guys playing the left tackle. If you're going up, you know, against the elite guys in this league, you know, Khalil Mack and, you know, Von Miller and yep. these guys, I mean, you're dealing with them at the right tackle position. So, I mean, it, it it used to be, okay, there was LT and, you know, and it was left tackles was, it was a nightmare on some Sundays, but it's, it's kind of balanced up right now. But I, I, I do see, I do see that. The only thing is, is that he's, he's very lean. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even look like a tackle sometimes when I watch him, he, he's, you know, he's a dancing bear. He's very light on his feet. He's got good sets. Uh, I don't think he's as powerful. I don't think he's nearly as powerful or as talented in the run game as both Evan Neal and uh, Iki Equinanu is. Like, those guys are really good run blockers. So I, I feel like you're going to lose a little bit there. Now, I'm not saying, he, you know, he, these are young kids. Yeah. They're 21 years old. They're, they're going to get a lot stronger. They get bigger. So there is that to them. Um, but right now, Evan Neal and Icky, the big Ick, are uh, are better run blockers. And so if you're the Giants at five, um, you know, you got to get this right. You know, and I, I don't think that they're going to move Andrew Thomas from left tackle to right tackle and allow one of these guys to just stay at left tackle. Uh, I, I believe Andrew Thomas is, is going to be their left tackle. And so they're drafting a right tackle. Evan Neal has played a year at right tackle, um, won a national championship mm-hmm. at, at, at right tackle. So uh, has started 41 straight games. I mean, you know, when you get to check in the boxes, there's not a whole lot that, you know, he can't fill. You know, the size, the flexibility um, of positions, all that stuff is there for him, uh, as we know. So, I don't know. I, I feel like the Giants, 
might overthink this if they go Charles Cross there at five. Could you see Evan Neal already being gone at three to the Houston Texans, though? Because I, I know some people who know Nick Casario in this league who feel like if it goes pass rush, pass rush, he comes around and takes what he thinks is the best offensive uh, lineman in the draft. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I, I think Evan Neal's a top five player. You know, I think Icky is a top five player in this draft. So, I mean, I could certainly see, you know, Houston. I mean, Detroit's not going to do it. You know, Jacksonville, I mean, there's still questions. Sure. Even though they franchised uh, Cam Robinson, yep. there's still questions that they could, you know, they could do that. Um, so that's still, it's, it's, like you said from the very beginning, like this thing is not nailed down right. by any stretch. But I can see, certainly see Nick Casario doing that at Houston. Um, you know, they got Laramie Tunsil. How much longer they're going to have Laramie Tunsil, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to try to make a, a decision on the quarterback in Houston right now, it'd be good if you could build the best possible wall up front. I think the decision for Houston at three is really, you know, one of the edge rushers, yep. you know, whether it's Kayvon or, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Trayvon um, or one of these tackles. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's going to be anybody else but one of those two positions. I am with you there, Baldy. You mentioned the quarterback position. We've gone almost 20 minutes into this podcast without talking yeah. about quarterbacks to uh, any length. Uh, that's that's an upset. If you had the uh, over, you cashed in on that. How many do you believe truly warrant first-round consideration and on top of that, top-10 consideration? And the flip side of that, because we know supply and demand, the economics of this position, how many do you think ultimately go in the first 32 picks? I don't believe that any of these quarterbacks are a top 10 pick. But I do think that Carolina at six is very, very interested in taking a quarterback. Yep. Uh, whether it's Kenny Pickett right now would be my choice. Yep. I feel like you could com- let him – you could take him at six and you could compete you could compete with Sam Darnold right away. And uh, I think Sam Darnold, you know, could still, you know, just you just don't know just how tar, you know, tarnished Sam Darnold is at sure. this point. I mean, a lot of it isn't fair. He's like nobody thought that he could play behind a worse offensive <laughs> line in Carolina than he did with the Jets, but he did. Yeah. So it's just hard to evaluate any of these guys. I mean, go evaluate Matt Stafford behind some of the offensive uh-huh. lines he played with in Detroit. You wouldn't think he's going to go win a Super Bowl someplace. So, uh, but I, I, I don't think any of these quarterbacks, Malik Willis, uh, Matt Corral, I don't think any of them are top 10 picks. I don't think any of them are top 10 talent. I don't think any of them are top 15 talents. Like, I don't see anything near Joe Burrow in right. any of these players. Right. Um, but that's not to say that they can't get taken. So, uh, to answer your question, the first question, Jason, I see three guys still getting taken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still see Kenny Pickett being the first quarterback off the board. Uh-huh. I see Malik Willis being drafted for the upside sure. of what he might become. Uh, I think there's a long way to go with Malik, but there is a lot to work with, and he's a great kid. Yes, And I think Matt Corral is a guy who's very capable of being, um, you know, whether it's Detroit at 32 uh-huh. – to get that fifth-year option, um, or if it's somebody else trading into the first round to go get Matt Corral, I certainly can see that you know that take place right now. Uh, how about Desmond Ritter? What gives you? What do you like, and what gives you pause? Well, I like the fact that he started forty-nine mm-hmm. games and he won a bunch of them. 
Um, so that's that. I don't think he is innately an accurate quarterback right. at the level that you have to be. Yeah. I mean, hit right shoulder, left shoulder. I mean, all those kind of things. Um, for nothing against anybody in the American, you know, athletic conference, but it's not the SEC to go evaluate these guys. Now, you know, guys coming out of different conferences every year, um, but you know, the level of competition, you know, is is certainly a concern. But the fact that he, you know, he's been healthy, um, you know, he's won a lot of games, yes. he's played a lot of games, like Kenny Pickett. Like I like that aspect about him. Um, and he looks like he throws a pretty good deep ball, you know, you throwing it to Alec Pierce and different guys. Um, you know, they've had some success doing that. But I, I don't see, you know, I just I see Desmond Ritter as a second round pick in this draft. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, Seattle with the 40th pick, right. Jason, uh, you know, looks like something that, you know, could possibly happen. The Steelers, the Saints, the Falcons, the Lions, and obviously the Panthers are all teams at the top of the mind who who could be in the quarterback market here come Thursday. I'm with you. I think yeah. Pickett at six is. I keep hearing the owner wants the kid at this point. I don't know who's going to say you know, who's going to talk that owner out of it, especially with all the quarterback charades they've been through to this point. Where would you like to see Malik Willis land? Like, would he? And Arthur Smith, after a couple of years, be able to make sweet music together. I know the Saints don't have Sean Payton anymore, um, but they have been a obviously an organization that has produced quarterbacks in, in various different ways. Uh, where is there somewhere where you're like in a perfect world, Malik? And, and obviously the Steelers are coming off a generational quarterback, uh, and Mike Tomlin is as good as they get in terms of just overall franchise stability and creating a winning culture. Where do you think he fits best? I do think that there is a good fit you with uh, with Arthur Jones, Arthur Smith. Um, I do think there's a good fit in Atlanta. I don't eight is seems awfully rich for a team that literally, I mean, close your eyes. Oh, they got a hole everywhere. Position Swiss cheese. Woo. It is. It's Swiss cheese. It's Swiss cheese. We all recognize that. Um, you know, Arthur Blank is an interesting guy from the standpoint of, you know, you, you, you mentioned a couple different owners so far. Uh, these owners are heavily involved. Yes. Heavily involved. Like, they're not going to go out there and tell you, you know, Malik Will is going to be a better pro than Kenny Pickett. But they they know the value of the position oh, and yeah. how important it is. They, you, you, you put more people in the stands on a yes, Friday sir. night uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta watching a high school game. Yeah than you do for the Falcons on Sunday. And until they get some star power, uh, especially at that position, and Marcus Mariota is not that guy, Heck until no. you get some star power with a guy that can really play, um, you know, then you, you, for, it, it's just going to be a dead – it's just going to be a dead zone on Sundays. And no owner wants to see that. And so Malik brings a lot of juice. I mean, he is a really – I don't know if he's Mike Vick. Um, he's built a lot like Mike uh-huh. Vick. He's probably a little bit bigger, a little thicker, but he's he's got – and I don't think he can run as fast as Mike, but he's not very far behind. Um, and he's as elusive as Mike was, and he's got an arm like Mike Vick. Yes, I, sir. You know, you could debate Mike Vick, the number one pick, you know, way back in the day, but he sure was an exciting player, and everybody in Atlanta had a number seven jersey, and they wanted to be the next uh-huh. one. So – 
uh, it's probably not fair to make any comparisons. Uh, but that's you know you want to you want to give uh, comps out there yeah. and stuff like Malik could he become somebody that could win a lot of games, get you to the playoffs, all that. I think he can. I think he I, if, if I was Arthur Smith, I would want to coach mm-hmm. Malik Willis. Like he looks like he'd be a lot of fun to work with. Um, there's a lot of growing to do, sure, but I believe he can be coached. And uh, I remember uh, four years ago when Josh Allen was coming out, uh-huh. and people were just all over the board on Josh Allen, yes, all over the board. And he was, he is just an immensely talented, popular, fun star player in his business, and. It's funny to look back on it now and go, okay, Wyoming and, you know, 58% accuracy and all this stuff that they said about him. Man, you know, who wouldn't want Josh Allen in this business right now? So, and so I, I just think there's a real upside to Malik Willis, you know, and uh-huh. you just got to be a little patient. But I think you could, I think you could get him on the field this year for sure. Yep. In various packages and get him on the field and have, you know, get him, get him started, get him started on the process the way, the Eagles did with Donovan McNabb, you know, and didn't start him right away, but got him out there. And by the end of the season, mm-hmm. he was a starter. And, you know, they got an immensely talented player for the next decade. Yeah, and I wonder, too, if they can drop back from 8 to 12 or something like that or 13. Maybe somebody sure comes up for it. a corner or something like that or the last remaining pass rusher out of that first cluster, and then they still stay ahead of New Orleans or something like that. And, or, Baldy, if you think the kid can play in the league and be a 10-year starter eventually, do you just you know what I mean? Maybe you just take him at 8 and say we're not playing yeah, just around. Pull it. Yeah, they just take yeah, like they look, you know, if they go and get themselves a corner right now, if they go and get themselves a receiver at eight, which they desperately need, I mean, like we said, any position. So, you know, a pass rusher, all that stuff makes sense, but it's not going to, you know, they're not going to compete with Tampa no. this year, you know, with whatever they do. So, you know, if you said, you know, and I'm sure these are all the discussions that they're having in Atlanta, um, and you say, look, look, is Malik Willis is he really the eighth play, best player in this draft? No. no. But if we if we trade back, will New Orleans come get him and we're going to lose out? Like part of you says, let's just take him. Yeah. Let's just take him and let's just go forward. You know, let's let's try to hit our you know our next pick. You know, um, you know at number forty three, let's go get a star player at forty three. You know, and let's just keep building. Yeah. You know, and um, let's take our lumps right now. And, you know, maybe by next year at this time, we've got the rudiments of, you know, a real competitive franchise. Yeah, and, and I mean, the other thing, too, Baldy, is like you bring in a head coach who's a quarterback guy, you're going to make him wait three years to get some clay to mold? That seems seems like a long time, you know what I mean? I know that these guys are getting five- and six-year deals, but you bring in a guy in who this is his area of expertise, and he doesn't, you know, he's working with, you know, B-level, C-level stuff for three years. I, I don't know that that makes a whole whole lot of sense um a couple of guys you like baldy guys who you feel like are not getting enough love for mock draft nation guys who maybe football people like more than we're seeing represented in the media right now or just playing guys that you just love who feel like um should be getting more attention well i i think you know when you look at the the corners uh at Washington, you know, whether it's Trent McBride or Kyler Gordon, mm-hmm. like it's hard for me to really separate the two. Kyler Gordon is a really good football player. 
And you, I don't know that he's going to get out of the first round. Yeah. I don't see him in a lot of mock drafts in the first round. I, I, I feel like he can certainly play at this level. I think Alec Pierce at Cincinnati is an immensely talented player. Like he is, he's got elite speed, but he runs routes. Like if you say to me, Drake London or Alec Pierce, I, I don't know that you, one is uh-huh. that much different than the other. Now, Alec Pierce probably going to go in the second round. And you can make the case that, you know, going through the NFL right now, whether it's Stephon Diggs or, you know, whether it's Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams, none of these guys are first round picks yet. They might be the three best receivers right. in the league right now. So, and that might happen. But, you know, to me, Alec Pierce can run by anybody. Just, you know, turn on the Notre Dame game. He just runs right by him. Uh, And yet he still looks like he can run routes and he's got good hands. I just feel like he's a guy that uh, doesn't get a whole bunch of uh, attention right now. Um, You know, and so I I think, you know, you know, we, 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 we just, you know, we, we spend all our time on the first round, yeah. and I understand all of that. But, uh, you know, I think those are a couple guys that, you know, I've, I feel like, you know, elude the first round, are worthy of it, but probably won't get taken, you know, in the first round. We talked about the top cluster of offensive linemen. Any guys after the big three who really stand out for you? Um Penning obviously plays with a nasty edge. Uh, are there a few guys who you'd like to highlight as well, just uh, in the trenches? Yeah, well, I mean, Trevor Penning, for sure. I mean, you know, what he did at the Senior Bowl, people are still talking about it. What he did in practice and how he just, you know, mauled some, some you know, good players out there in one-on-ones and the attitude that he brings and the flexibility that he showed. I mean, in the Senior Bowl, he played right guard. He played – guard at, uh, you know, Northern Iowa at times, you know, if you want to just get value for him right now, I mean, if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you say, okay, we, we can line up with two starting tackles, yeah. but we'll go put Trevor Penning at left guard right now, just to get value the way, you know, one time, you know, the Ravens drafted Jonathan Ogden and played him at left guard his first year, yep. you know, and got him on the field right away. And so I, I feel like Trevor Penning is a guy that, uh, first of all, he's a first round pick. Yeah. Um, you know, just his size, his mentality. But, you know, a team like Dallas that needs an offensive lineman really bad, and they've got to improve that area. Um, you know, then, look, Zion Johnson makes a lot of sense, and there's a lot of different guys. But Trevor Penning, maybe if you believe Tyron Smith is on his way down and, you know, maybe you get one more great year out of him, maybe you could kick Trevor Penning over there, you know, to right to left tackle, or maybe if you feel like you can – you know, put them over there at right tackle, you know, right now or next year, then, uh, you know, then you got that flexibility to do it. Anything else? You know, I mean, oh, shit. Uh, you know as far as other. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, just like, I think Tyler Smith is a good player at Tulsa. Uh-huh. Um, he's probably, and Bernard Ryman at Central Michigan. I mean, I think both those guys, um, you know, you know, some of these guys, you know, if there's an early run on Evan Neal and Icky and, you know, some of these guys might get into the first round, you know, because yes. you feel like you got to get that tackle. And these guys show, you know, great athletic ability in both uh, Smith and Ryman. And so they could get pushed up, you know, no question about it. You know, um, Green Bay might be looking at that type of uh, position uh, with one of those picks. And so it's, it's possible that you could see guys uh, go like that uh, at the bottom of the first round. 
Yeah, I've seen a lot of um, odds makers who have seven and a half offensive linemen. And Baldy, I look at this draft and the quarterbacks aren't great. Probably no running back, right? Probably no tight end. A lot of pass rush. That, to me, I, I like the over there. I think we see at least eight offensive linemen go. You got the center from Iowa. I, I just feel like there's going to be some names coming through, picks 22 to 32, who maybe haven't been on a ton of mock drafts, but these teams see value in offensive linemen. Yeah, they do. Because, you know, t- generally – um, you can play these guys right away. Right. You know, we, now we have seen this. We have seen this over the years. Kansas City started two rookies yep. last year, and if you count the the right tackle Lucas Niang, who didn't play his first year, I mean, at times they had three rookies out there, and they, you know, and they and they struck gold. I mean, Creed Humphrey is an elite player right now. Tyler Smith, you know, people thought, you know, with the blood clots at Tennessee, like he was going to be a real, you know, uh, health risk, and he started and played every snap for Kansas City. And he's a great player. So you you can put these guys in there and you can play them right away. Um, and you can get value for these guys. And, you know, some of these other positions, uh, there's a, you know, there's a learning curve mm-hmm. for some of these guys to go out there and, uh, you know, get themselves up to speed. Baldy, anything else you want to add before I uh, allow you to get back to your research and draft prep, which I'm hoping takes place at least poolside for a part of the day? I have a feeling it might. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a it's a beautiful day here in Las I Vegas. Uh, I'm sure I'll probably you know uh, take my little stroll, uh, something like that. Uh-huh. But uh, I think uh, I I think you know this is this draft is unique in that there's so many teams that have multiple yes. first round picks. You know, and so you know whether it's New Orleans, Philadelphia, Houston. I mean, all the different teams that have you know so all the teams with multiple first round picks. Does that mean that there's going to be more trades up and down the board. We all love that. We all love the excitement that comes with it. And, you know, to, you know, see Daniel Jeremiah and, you know, the, you know, Mel Kuyper and the guys yeah. out there, you know, talking about these players, like, are they trading up for so-and-so? Are they trading back? To, like, I think there's going to be a lot of activity. Uh, and I don't know where it starts. I think, you know, number five with the Giants makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense for some teams. If they want to go get one of these pass rushers or quarterbacks, maybe you got to get in front of Carolina to go do it. So I'm not sure where it's really going to kick off. It might be higher than that. Uh, maybe it's Houston. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these teams at the very top would love to trade down and, uh, you know, maximize the amount of uh, picks that they get. And so I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens with so many teams with multiple picks and if they're the teams that are going to be really active. Yeah, it's a fascinating dynamic, and and we've never seen a draft quite like this with so many teams not having any first-round picks. And, Baldy, most of those teams don't have the necessary picks in future years to move up in this year's draft. We've seen teams really go the Rams route, and that, that doesn't leave them with a lot of ammo unless you're trading current players to get back into the first round, and, and eight teams with multiple first-round picks, including several in the top yeah. ten, is, is just uh, that's that's a, a bold new horizon, but maybe one we're going to have to get used to as teams increasingly become willing to trade players and to move up and down draft boards with these younger general managers. Well, this has been a blast as always. We appreciate everyone tuning in to 
Odyssey's 2022 draft special. We will be back with you guys at the same time on Thursday and then again Friday this week to continue to get you prepared for the draft and tell you what we think of what's transpired so far. You can catch us throughout the offseason on Baldy's Breakdowns. Get that on iTunes, Spotify, uh, rate, review, give us feedback. Again, you can find me at Jason Lockenfor on Twitter. You can find Baldy at Baldy NFL on Twitter and probably within minutes poolside at an undisclosed uh, fancy hotel somewhere in Vegas. Have fun out there, brother, but not too much fun. Well, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll. You know, whatever. Hold it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, right I've now. heard. I've heard. I'm not letting it out. No. Yeah. Play it close so, to the bus, uh, like Jacksonville. I think by the time we get to Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think by the time we get to Thursday, though, and we, uh, you know, we start counting down the hours to, you know, eight o'clock Eastern yeah. time when this thing kicks off. Um, you know, we we may have a little bit more clarity about what yes. the first round is going to look like. We may see some trades. We, you know, whether it's for picks or to move up or one of these players that's out there. So we may have some, you know, real yes. real news to discuss before we kick things off. Yes, there could be some action it's out in the point. desert by then. Well, thank you, Baldy. Thank everyone for tuning in. And we will get yeah. back at you 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Enjoy draft week.